Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talk. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me as always is the ever so enigmatic, enigmatic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know that word. Mike Hampton. Enigmatic? That one. Um, is that a word? Uh, well, it is now. <laughs> illmatic. Uh, ooh, that, that's what you are. You are illmatic. I like that better. Uh, good morning, sir. Good morning. It is Hello. very early here where we are but you know uncle dad and mike we uh we get things done maybe not the best way but we get it done <laughs> we are we are up in the morning and uh whenever you are listening to this know that we are up early to make this great content for you quotation marks great it's great it is <laughs> great it is great you're right great. um but before we get in on to today's guest of course we have to pay the bills and how do we do that mike by talking about our sponsors now uh all pr- all promo codes are lowercase uncle dad talks each code will save you 25 percent off at each of our partner sites and those partners include raise energy by rep sports r-e-p-p sports.com go ahead there get a get the best energy drink you can for 25 percent off after that when you're done being all super energe- energetic you want to come down uh, go ahead and go to tricloudy.com and use promo code Uncle Dad Talks, as you know, to save 25% off the best sleeping, I guess you would call it what, product or sleeping uh, diffuser? Sleeping apparatus? Sleeping help. help. Okay. Sleeping help. <laughs> the best sleeping help you're going to get. And if you just got a new tattoo or if you have tattoos and you want to make them look high def again, Go to protectyourink.com and check out Lucky 13 uh, family organic uh, owned, or made and owned uh, tattoo care and get 25% off as well. Great products, great all around. I know I kind of swing through that, but you know, it's early right now. So <laughs> you did a great job. Oh, thanks. Uh, now let's talk about today's guest because today's guest also includes a pretty exciting announcement, would you say? Yeah, I think it's very exciting what you're going to say later. Yes, I am. And uh, its uh, I'll give you a hint. It's very sweet and important to Mike's heart. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, just go ahead and give us like a quick, I guess, little tap in on who our guest is. Yeah, so uh, this guest is an artist. Um, his name is Guy Gilchrist. And uh, he actually worked with Jim Henson on the Muppets for, for many years. He did the Muppets comic strip. He did the Nancy comic strip. Um, He's worked in a variety of different cartoon um, that we all know, like Ninja Turtles and Looney Tunes. And uh, and he's a guest at the upcoming convention in New Orleans, which is... Where we will be. Oh. Oh, yes. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show and probably on the show. But yes, uh, me and Mike will be out there doing press, uh, official press for um, New Orleans uh, Fan Expo, which, fun fact, it used to be called Wizard Expo, I think, or Wizard World. Wizard World. That's why I, I blanked on that, the fact that it changed. Yes. And, and now we're deferred to you. Yo, thanks. <laughs> it's a fan expo. Yeah. And we will be there and we'll talk about all the dates and all the great stuff heading over there later on the, later on the show. But uh, we'll be right back uh, with this from this break and we will be talking to Guy Gilchrist. Hey, how's it going? My name is Tion Buku One. I'm a skateboarding, graffiti writing, bowling son of a Black Panther. And I'm Yula. <laughs> and we are the co-hosts of the Black Russian Podcast. Our podcast is a deep dive into relationships from monogamy, non-monogamy, open, poly, and whatever other labels that us wacky humans come up with. Let's go beyond the assumptions, beyond the stigmas, stereotypes, and most definitely beyond the judgment. We share our highs, lows, face plans, and triumphs of trying to love in ways that fit us individually while we continue our journey through life together. With topics like yuck and yums, poly trendy, how does it really feel, and tour life, tour wife, we discuss how to build and define relationships that are tailor-made for you. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest. All from a soulful perspective. 
Now let's be clear, let's we don't clear. advocate any one relationship style over the other. Nah. We advocate any and all relationships that encourage truth, honesty, and the freedom to do it how you do it. Deconstruct, decolonize, and rebuild in your own way with a Black Russian podcast. Sure. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with our guest, uh, Mike. I'm going to hand you the keys as we like to do sometimes. And uh, let's have fun with this one. Yeah. Um, well, Guy, we are delighted to have you. Um, so just a quick rundown for our listeners. Some of your accolades over the years. You've, you've worked on what I found, 42 different children's books. You've uh, won the Rubin Award for your illustration. Your three times Children's Choice Award. You worked on the Muppets comic strip from 1981 to 86. And then in 95, you took over the Nancy comic strip for many years. Those are some, I mean, yeah, as a, you, uh, uh, some of the internet has worked out well for you. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I'm very I've, impressed. You know, you, you actually looked me up. So thank you. <laughs> I looked you up. I checked out your website. I've seen you at conventions. I, I do conventions for many years myself. Um, publishing my own comics and for, for many years wanted to be a cartoonist myself. So uh, yeah, I just, I admire your work. And uh, how, how has it been um, for you? I mean, you've had such a long career, which was really kind of started working with, uh, with Jim Henson directly, right? Well, uh, no, I, it had started before that. Uh, but working with Jim directly was certainly, you know, a huge thrill and, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and certainly the, uh, a huge turning point in my life, uh, one of the great blessings of my life, you know, a huge, you know, just uh, explosion of joy, you know, in my life. But it actually, but actually my career had started quite a bit before that. Because uh, I, I auditioned for Jim, which, by the way, was a one year long as it turned out, almost audition uh, to, uh, to become Jim's uh, writer and artist on, uh, the, on, on the Muppet strip. So how do you, how does a, how does a cartoonist audition for Jim Henson? Like, how do you get that opportunity? <laughs> well, uh, I got to go back a little bit, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, as I said, my career didn't start uh, with with Jim, uh, it actually started with Whitman Publishing when I was sixteen, uh, doing coloring books that were Disney uh, characters and stuff for a guy named John Solardo, and uh, and anyway, I had started traveling to New York City. I lived in Connecticut, and then uh, I got a job with Weekly Reader, and uh, the Weekly Reader had book clubs, and uh, and anyway, I got a great gig. It was my first national gig where I was able to sign stuff because, of course, with Disney, you couldn't sign stuff. So I could sign uh, the Super Colonel comics that I did for uh, for Weekly Reader. And that was, uh, they were like, it was a funny animal comic that encouraged kids to read. Mort Walker, uh, who I met through John and uh, mostly through uh, reading his book backstage at the Strips, uh, Mort's book, and finding out that there was a museum of cartoon art on the New York uh, Connecticut line. I met Mort. Mort remembered my artwork uh, from uh, Super Colonel. He asked to see it. I had a little, uh, I did a talk and a little, uh, had a little one-man show of my artwork to, for my talk uh, at the museum. And when Mort was playing golf with Bill Yates, the head of King Features, uh, Bill was lamenting the fact that they had had a development deal for a comic strip based on The Muppet Show for two years. And they had tried out 200 different people in different teams, and the Henson folks had turned them all down. And so Mort said, uh, well, that's a, that's a pig and a frog, right? And uh, Bill goes, yeah. He says, well, there's this kid, hangs out at the museum. And that's how I got the phone call. Uh, anyway, I tried out for King Features. They liked what they saw. Um, uh, they sent it over to Michael Frith and the folks at Henson Associates uh, down the street uh, at uh, East 69th. And it kind of went from there. Uh, Michael was encouraging. 
Uh, Bill was incredibly encouraging, but no one gave me the nod, but they also didn't say you don't have it. And so I kept writing it just on my own and kept mailing it in. And eventually I got a phone call about a year later <laughs> from Jerry Jewell, uh, Jim's head writer, telling me that I had had the job for about a month and it looked like Michael hadn't called me. So I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then about a month or so later, uh, Jim was in post on caper uh and could take a a, a, a few days uh flew over on the concord remember this is uh beginning of the 1980s flew over on the concord from uh from london uh to uh to new york uh to meet with me and we started the muppet strip wow so so you took it upon yourself to just keep writing like you actually came up with storylines on your own yeah, and of, of the characters, obviously, I, I assume you're already a fan of them. Well, you know, you know, think about this, okay? If you have the one shot in your lifetime, right? I mean, I obviously was not the best candidate for the job. I mean, there there were all of these established people. I I was a nobody, but I had this shot. So why did I get the job? It wasn't because I was the best drawer or the best writer. The only thing that we can really, I could ever really dream was that I just kept on going, you know, and eventually just by not being told not to, you know, I think they found out, hey, gee, you know, this guy can do the job. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, we're always, uh, what I always give advice to, to people, don't quit. You know, don't quit. Give it your all. Of course, that's easier said than done, right? Yes. Um, but don't quit. Don't quit. Yeah. yeah. And, and and shoot your shot when you see your shot, right? Like. Yeah, man. And just don't quit. Yeah. Don't don't stop. It's like until they say no, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Or they block you, or uh, send, you a, <laughs> send you a letter <laughs> saying yeah, stop stop yeah, harassing us. <laughs> right. right. You know, yeah, you know, take out a restraining order, you know, call the mm -hmm. cops, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but uh, but but I guess I, I I guess they were pretty pleased with what I was doing, and it worked out. And also, probably the fact that you kept sending in, you're like this. They're probably like this guy's going to meet deadlines. He's gonna he's gonna show up. We know we're not gonna fall behind because he's showing that he's got the effort. So, you know, I and good for you for for I don't know. Not some people get that opportunity. <clears throat> and they don't capitalize on it. Maybe it's like a, a fear of failure and they kind of self-sabotage. Um, so, so you had the drive to just, you, you saw that you saw your opportunity and you went for it. And obviously it, it paid off really well for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so you also worked with Jim Henson. So let me ask you this though. You, you got to meet Jim Henson. What was that experience like? Cause obviously he's a huge part of, of American culture and, and created the Muppets and, and so many other things. What was it like to, to actually meet him for you? Well, I worked with him uh, very closely and he loved comics. Uh, but the first time I met him, uh, so I was in New York that whole week and uh, working with Michael and Jim Mayen and the guys over at Henson. And then I, and I knew I was gonna meet Jim. Uh, that Saturday morning. Well, of course, I couldn't sleep the whole night. And uh, so I got over to the office and just sat in the conference room. Now, my meeting wasn't going to be until about 11 o'clock or something like that. I was there at like seven o'clock in the morning, right? It's like, what am I going to do? So I'm just like, you know, uh, drawing nervously, uh, you know, just sitting there with my brother Brad. And about nine o'clock or something like that, the door kind of swings open to the conference room and it's Jim. And it's like, he's got like, okay, now you would call it a backpack. We used to call it knapsack in those days, right? Mm -hmm. um, knapsack on his back. And, uh, and like a like sort of an army jacket. And uh, he just looks and he goes, oh, hi, you, you must be nice. You're early. I'll see you later. And he bopped up the stairs, you know, and I just turned on my brother. Oh, 
I mean, really and truly, when he when his head popped in that door, you heard choirs of froggy angels singing, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> it was all of that. And uh, anyway, uh, the old so at one seventeen east sixty ninth, how this went was so. Uh, so there was this burgundy, sort of red burgundy carpeting, okay, on the floor. And there's a spiral staircase goes up to the top. And, and embedded into the burgundy carpeting was a yellow gold carpeting, okay, like a path. Mm-hmm. And the path all the way up the spiral staircase, okay. And when it got all the way to the top, it went into Jim's office and kept spinning around and getting smaller and smaller and smaller until boom, where it ended was where Jim put his feet. It was the yellow brick road. And when you walk into Jim's office, you followed the yellow brick road into where the wizard was. And so that was me going into this office. And when you walk into the office in the back of you, because as you're walking in, you know that there's the door and in the back of you, uh, are all of these uh, things that Jim was very proud of, I think, uh, that they were accomplishments, like the first time he was on TV Guide magazine or on French magazines, Look, Life, Time, all of that kind of stuff. And then in front of you uh, is Jim sitting in this beautiful sort of like, I don't know, wizardy kind of a chair throne thing uh, with this beautiful natural wood desk thing and then surrounded by you know oscars and emmys and grammys and all of that stuff you know and so it's rather (gasps) you know when you walk in but jim was just jim and and he was you know just so patient and kind and sweet and quiet uh you know soft-spoken not a lot of not a lot of chit chat you know um, uh, very soft-spoken and didn't say an awful lot. So when he spoke, it was really important and you really paid attention. And anyway, I walked in and Jim said, some of these drawings are great. They're very, very good. And some are just great, but we don't want very good. And we don't want great. We want wonderful. And in my head, I'm going like, how do I do wonderful? And then Jim held up his hand and introduced me to Kermit. Now, Kermit was not on his hand. It was just he was holding up his hand and he began to talk as Kermit and just with his hand. And I got it. Like, that's all that that's what Jim did that. And I understood. You see, before that, working for Disney and that kind of stuff, I was drawing in the style of Freddie Moore or whoever it happened to be, okay, that worked for Disney. And I was working on a cartoon character and I was trying to draw like the other people that had drawn that cartoon character and sort of um, uh, psychically do that, okay? But my job with the Muppets was to take real characters that had life within them because of the hand of the performer coming through with that voice, with the voices and the music and the motion and all of that, and then transfer that into two dimensions. And that was going to be my job. And I got it. At that moment, I saw the mountain I was about to climb just because of what Jim had done. So you see, very few words, very well put, boom, get it. What, was, a, what a magical story. The short thing that I tell everybody, because at cons and everything, I get asked this at least a hundred times each con, what was Jim really like? And what I tell you is, okay, we all love Jim. And okay, you love Jim. You mm-hmm. wish you could have met him. You mm-hmm. have an idea in your head what that would be like. I tell you, take your best, fondest 
idea, your fondest dream, times that by a thousand, and you're close. You're close. <laughs> you're close. <laughs> what a good yeah. response, too. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, I mean, to create what he created for all of us, I, I could only imagine like that, the genuine person that he was. And I, I don't know, I feel like those stories, how you met and how you, how he's doing the Kermit with his with his hand. Yeah. I don't know if those stories really happen like that anymore. I mean, that just seems like such a, I don't know, a, a thing from the from the past. Everything is, uh, I don't know, like the fact that you got to walk up the yellow brick road and sit in front of the creator of the Muppets and all these things that, um, I don't know. I just don't know if those, if those, if that's how it happens anymore for people. I feel like you have to get. No, I, I didn't happen that way for anybody until yeah. it happened that way for me. And, and did Jim do a, a Kermit, uh, was his Kermit the Frog voice, was he in full voice character? Oh, yeah. Sure. <clears throat> sure. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, when he, when, uh, what he did was, so he started talking, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then he went onto a little piece of paper and he drew his hand uh, looking at us directly like this and then from the side, okay? And mm -hmm. then ping-pong ball in half, put it on there and showed me, you know, that, that, the, that the hand was Kermit, okay? That, that, so he was saying to me, you have a model of me of Kermit, of me as Kermit, with you at all times. And so what he was showing me really, and because, you know, Jim went to art school and was a great artist and a great cartoonist. And uh, so this very, very quick thing that he did of his hand reinforced that idea that like, oh my gosh, we're drawing real people here, you know? Mm -hmm the hand of somebody that there's a performer inside there and we were going to have to take this incredible orchestra this huge orchestra which was the muppet show you know with the music and the laughter and the soundtrack and the the the, the voices and all the movement and everything and put them into a tiny little phone booth which was going to be a black and white comic strip with color on Sundays. And so it was going to be quite the, quite the task, but understanding, but Jim understood all of that and, and gave me uh, a lot of freedom. Uh, uh, I think one of the things that he liked about my version of the Muppets from the get-go was I did not have them sort of like tied to the theater at all times, only doing the show. Um, uh, they were going to be out and about doing things, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, going out to the country, living in the city, uh, and uh, and understanding that there had to be life uh, before and after, you know, the show. The show was just going to be a part of it, but the show was going to be there anyway. Uh, so between Jim, Michael K. Frith, and Michael K. Frith, who. Uh, if folks don't know, when you watch any Henson production, you will always see the name Michael K. Frith. And Michael was my everyday boss and Jim's head designer. And Michael taught me how to draw the Muppets. Uh, then they both gave me the freedom to begin to, over time, animate the characters so I wasn't really drawing the puppet anymore, but a caricature of that puppet that had exaggerated life in it uh, so that we could try to uh, bring some of the magic that is the Muppets to, uh, you know, to the comic. And as time went on, uh, Jim really liked my version of uh, his characters and got me involved in creating, you know, the Muppet Babies and, uh, uh, I, I know that once Jim saw that the characters could translate to cartoons in black and white, I think that he started feeling very comfortable with the idea of animation. And so that was, you know, part of it too. And then there was Fraggles and everything else, uh, you know, with, with, with him. Jim was an incredibly special, special man who to hire a 23 year old with absolutely no uh, syndication experience, uh, knowing that this was going to be the biggest comic strip in the world 
being read by 80 million people every single day. Uh, Jim had incredible faith in me uh, to not, you know, uh, uh, to not embarrass him and to, to do the right thing uh, and to, to learn. Um, I know that for myself, speaking for myself and every other person that I ever know that, that worked with Jim, I can tell you, he had more, he had so much faith in all of us. He believed in us. He saw something in us, um, uh, got to know us as people and our families, was the greatest boss in that he'd hire you after a very long time of figuring you out. And once he figured you out, he let you go. Mm. Do your thing. Because I believe that he understood that you wanted so much to be a part of it. So he let that part be your own. Uh, and uh, it really set me up for the rest of my life, my, my creative life and all of that. Uh, I love him dearly. Everybody that ever worked for him loves him dearly. And the whole world still loves him dearly. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a great opportunity for you and, and just, uh, I mean, for your life to have that interactions and those continued interactions within working with him that way, like I admire that you had the opportunity, you saw it, you seized it and and created all these things and uh, and got to work with Jim Henson. I mean, that's, that's a great story. And yeah. obviously no pressure, you know, drawing a comic strip for 80 million people to read, no pressure at all, right? Like just- Well, that, oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. 23 year old gets that shot right yeah mm-hmm. that's amazing man. <clears throat> and, and so it was in a sense it was kind of your your style if you i guess and and the strip that if i'm getting this right kind of saw that, that jim see the path to do animation and, and like the muppet babies it was yeah. so was this the segue to that pretty yeah. much yeah um, mm-hmm. now the muppet babies uh, was really the brainchild of uh, um, uh, Isabel Miller, who was uh, Jim's merchandising person, and Jim Mann, uh, who was an uh, art director at Henson Associates. They were the ones that really had the idea and brought it uh, to, to Jim. But that was within the gates of 117 69th. I worked outside of there at my home in Connecticut. So my introduction was I got a phone call from Michael Frith saying, um, hey guy, uh, we've got a couple of days, draw me your version of what all of the Muppets would look like as babies. We're going to, we're, we're gonna do a, a little sequence thing uh, and it might be in one of the movies and it might just be for MTV. We're not really sure at this point. And that was of course the, 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 the sequence uh, the, the Muppet baby sequence that in uh, Manhattan. Um, but at the time, the phone call was, uh, and concentrate on the big six, meaning the most, impo- the, the most popular six uh, Muppets, and, um, you know, but draw all of them. And I had two days mm. to do that. And uh, I had to have them delivered on, you know, Thursday morning or whatever, and it was a Tuesday. And uh, so I, you know, I drew my version of it and uh, my version of the, uh, the Muppets themselves in the newspaper were the, I guess that was a really nice jumping off point for the design of, all, of, of the characters, yeah. Did you get to keep that original sketch that you submitted for that or does that go um, away into a vault no, somewhere all that stuff just went to jim i didn't i but do you do you get to so when you would do the artwork for the strip is that owned by henson or do you get to keep any of that either or does that all go away as well yeah the well well back then the originals didn't belong to the artist okay things have changed uh mm. over years uh, but the the deal that we had with King Features and Henson Associates was that Henson Associates would keep one third of the art uh, for the strip. King would keep a third and then I would get a third. Mm. And that was about how it went over the years. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I just, I would but imagine. I, but I get a, a lot of questions about production art from the books and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. I have to tell you that most of the time, uh, most of the time, unless I happened to be in the offices when the artwork got sent back, somebody would just sort of take it home. Mm. I, I rarely saw the artwork, even the paintings and stuff for, you know, like the Muppet Babies and Fraggle merchandise and all that stuff. We would do all this airbrush stuff. Um, very, very, very little of that stuff ever really got back to my house. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I get, I, I get letters and stuff all the time saying, do you have the, you know, the original art for the Muppet Baby's drum set or this or that? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> uh, but every once in a while, I see like, I, I see it go up for auction, you know, on, on one of the auction sites or something. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what employee took that home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the stuff that went out of there. Uh, yeah, I was. I would wonder that if you had those originals, would you would you put them for sale, or would those be so special to you that you just kind of hang on to them yourself? Oh, I don't honestly. Okay, I'm weird this way. Um, I don't think of my artwork as being special to me. I mean, now I, I there are a couple. Oh, certainly, I keep a few, you know, to to hang on the walls and as a memory of something of a wonderful time. Um, but I would much rather always the artwork you that you have it um, mm -hmm. because uh, that's what it's for. I think of art as creation and, and my great joy is making you happy. So if it's hanging on your wall and stuff like that, it's, it's much better to me than it is in a drawer somewhere, you know. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I still have a few originals and uh, uh, from the strip, and uh, and I sell them from time to time. There are very few of them, mm -hmm. uh, but we we do have. Uh, but I sold a huge part of my collection of whatever I did have, the Nancy strip, Muppets, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to uh, uh, to a, a a new museum that's opening next year in Austin. And so, and they're using that as the basis of their collection. So that's going to be fun. And a lot of people are going to be able to see the artwork on the walls there. Beautiful. Yeah. Let, let the people see it. Right. Um, so I, just to, just to kind of close up on, on, on meeting Jim Henson and, and all of that and, and working so closely with him, uh, uncle dad, also he's a, a big Kermit the frog fan and he does a great Kermit impression. So I just want to, have him do it for for you and for the listeners, and then you can tell uh, us all how that compares to to Jim's. Uh, no, yes, it's yes. not going to it's not going to compare to Jim's. <laughs> well, Guy will let us know how that. Uh, okay, well, here yeah. we go. And you can use your hand too, like uh, like like Jim. That might, that'll probably help. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> I'm so nervous right now. Sorry. Um, you got it. Kermit the Frog here. That's, <laughs> That's it. all. I... That's it. <laughs> That's it. No. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> there. That's better. <laughs> well, you know, uh, a lot of it is the the cadence. You don't even really have to have the voice. I'll show you what I mean. Okay. So you don't even have to really have the voice. But if you do the cadence and you do the pronunciation and you move the syllables around a little bit then you will really get it, you know? Um, be, uh, you know, it was, was a riot. It, it used to be a riot. We, we would have these meetings, these long meetings with Jim. Uh, they would be called, um, uh, I think they were like production progress meetings or something like that. Jim would come into the city and uh, from wherever he was, and we would do these, uh, uh, you know, product meetings, you know, where he would look at every single thing that was in production at the time. And then when like Jim Mayen and I would take the train back to Connecticut together after these meetings, and we would all be talking like this because, <laughs> you know, um, and we didn't even realize it because this was like, it was Jim would be sitting there going, hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, okay. Well, how about if we tweak that like this? And, you know, and that was just Jim's voice. And 
know, and you're in there for like three, four hours with him, and we would just all come up talking like that. And uh, <laughs> and, and then it'd be some drunk on the train or something come by, you know, smack you in the head with a bottle of wine and wake you up, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, before we get before we get home to our families and totally, you know, freak them out, you know. Uh, I, I try not to fall into that voice, but you did a you did a good job. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> the, the <clears throat> is Rolf. Oh, Rolf. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, kids, you're you're too you're too young to remember this, but you know, in the 1960s, I was a big big star. <laughs> I bet I'd be driving around New York in my Lincoln Continental with the suicide doors. I had a car phone, and I was dating all the hottest French poodles in the city. You know, I. I had a recording deal. I was on the Mike Douglas show. Every week, <laughs> I was on the uh, every week Jimmy Dean show. I'll tell you what, the '60s were great. Then come the '70s, I start sharing the stage with a frog. Well, <laughs> that was great. Me and him, we got along great. Till something better came along, we were having fun doing movies, records, television shows. Everything was fantastic, and then. Disney bought us. <laughs> now I live in a box. Anyway, uh, in a, a box in a drawer. They're <laughs> older and older. I oh, really fight okay. with Rolf, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. That I was thought. awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wanted to ask something really quickly about uh, the Muppet Babies. How did Marvel get involved into that? Because I know Marvel Productions was a part of that too, correct? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, uh, they, uh, you know, they were busy, uh, uh, you know, doing stuff like, uh, the Spider-Man, you know, animation and all of that stuff. And, uh, they had a staff that really, really, really wanted to keep busy. Uh, uh, you know, they had a lot of guys and, um, uh, good to go. And, uh, and so that's how they got involved. I mean, we, we, we were looking for, you know, for someone, you know, uh, now Hanna-Barbera, had they worked on it, uh, you know, they would have wanted co-ownership and that was never going to happen. Um, you know, there were things like there, there were, there were a few different places out there, but Marvel was willing to work with us in the way that we wanted the, the deal to be structured. And, uh, uh, and they wanted to keep their animation uh, house busy, and they also wanted to expand. Um, uh, because at the time, uh, I'm not sure if this is, I'm not sure if this is the, the truth or just the way that I remember it. But the way that I remember it is that um, uh, at the time, you know, uh, Saturday morning television, there was a lot going on and there was a lot of competition and a lot of competition for the best animators and in-betweeners and the best everybody's and so uh it was important uh that if you had a group of people to keep that that group you know working uh, uh as much as possible and so i believe that that's the way uh that uh, that that marvel got involved my real um uh, involvement in the babies was at at the inception you know that the creation of them and what they were going to look like and stuff and then um then then my real job after that was there had to be somebody that could draw the babies quickly and for a lot of toys and games and all of that kind of stuff and that's where i got involved um uh, i had to keep my involvement secondary to the 80 million readers of the comic every day um but uh uh but i was working for jim you know 24 7 you know not basically not sleeping because when i wasn't writing and writing and drawing the strip and my brother helped me with that my brother brad helped me with that with the writing of the strip uh i was constantly doing the product uh, you know, first for Fraggles and then, but when babies came along, it was like, wow, wow. Yeah. Muppet Babies is one of my favorite cart Saturday morning cartoons when I was a kid. I loved yeah, it. Mine too. 
Yeah. We, that was awesome. We did a lot of the character development and character design development um, in an interesting way. Like, um, the, uh, we would, uh, instead of me just drawing for the heck of it uh, and inking for the heck of it, we didn't have any the heck of it time. So I would, any drawings that I did and inking that I did and character development drawings that I did, we would put in the, the Muppet Baby coloring books. I would just do a coloring book of them and work on them as I did the coloring book. And then we put the coloring book up for sale. Mm. Yeah, making, making use of it all, right? Uh, yeah, awesome. all of it. Mm -hmm. And I saw also on your website, as I was looking you up here, I, you, you had your work put in the, the Smithsonian like that. I mean, yeah. that, as an artist, to me, would be one of the highest honors that you can get, right? Like That was about it, man. That was, a, yeah. that was, that was, it, that was about it. And it's one of those things that, it's one of those things that you could never prepare for. You wouldn't say, my dream came through. No one has a big, big dream like that. Um, but that all happened because of Jim. And uh, what had happened was uh, President Reagan's favorite comic strip was the Muppets. And so he called or had uh, James Brady's uh, office call Henson and ask and tell Jim that his, that his favorite uh, comic was, was the Muppets. And would Jim come and be the guest of honor at the Easter festivities uh, for the next year, which had been in 1984? And Jim said, oh, but the comic strip isn't me. That's Guy. Mm -hmm. Send him. He'll like that. Wow. And uh, so they called me and asked me if I would do the cover for the Easter, uh, Easter egg roll. And would I do some artwork specially for them? And I did. And I was guest of honor at the White House. And they took my artwork. And I got a letter from uh, Nancy Reagan uh, telling me I was now a national treasure. And I was being put into the Smithsonian. My work was in the Smithsonian. And this all happened because Jim said, Oh, but that's Guy. Guy will like that. And that's yeah. the way it was. That's yeah, awesome. In other words, he's like, I this isn't, I don't need this for my ego or for anything. This is you like the strip. This is the artist who does it and writes it. And he let you have that moment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, so I mean, honestly, you know, being this kid who, you know, I, we we had nothing. Absolutely nothing when I was a kid. Of course, you don't know you have nothing because you know you got nothing compared to. Right. Uh, but but I did have a mom that that uh, that was a good artist and she drew, and she showed me you know that if you drew ovals you could move the ovals and stuff. And then Walter Lance, the great Walter Lance, the uh, creator of Woody Woodpecker and the most famous animator in the world when I was a child, uh, giving me encouragement. Uh, you know, telling me that someday if I never quit, I was going to be a successful cartoonist. That that stuff of me just being nobody. And then all of a sudden, there you are at the White House. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, not just representing the Muppets, but representing, you know, your family and, 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 and all of that. I mean, th there's nothing that, that can ever prepare you for anything like that. And I just feel incredibly blessed and that was the sort of person that jim was he got all these accolades but if you'll ever watch on youtube and stuff you can probably see jim accepting an award and when he accepts an award he shows up and actually accepts it you will hear him deflect 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 mm. you know about frank and jerry and this one and that one and david and al and on and on and on because jim really looked at everything that he did as a team and that he was yeah i mean he was the manager the captain whatever you want to say of the mm -hmm. team but it was a team you know that's i mean what a team to be on too uh um i could probably ask you a million more questions about about 
Jim and the, and the Muppets, but I'm going to move on to part of why we're, we're talking to you is because uh, you're going to be at this uh, fan expo in New Orleans in January. Um, and so I, before I really get into that, I want to ask you, like, when did the, the convention path open for you from, from drawing the cartoon strips? I know you worked on Nancy after the Muppets. When did you find your way to doing conventions? Was it was uh, what was your first con? Oh, gee. Um, well, my first con was way back about uh, about 30, 30 or 40 years ago, um, where I was invited by the Hartford, the Hartford Current when the Muppet strip was going on to, to come down and sign some prints and stuff like that. But when I got involved with cons, I really wasn't involved with conventions over the years. Really and truly being in production for as many years as I have with all of the books and television shows and the, uh, the, 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 everything else, uh, you know, you, you really, you're really a production animal and you're chained sort of to a, to a drafting table. And, the only time that we're really out and about would be promoting a book or, you know, or promoting a brand new, whatever it was that we were working on, uh, or of course, traveling for business. So, um, uh, getting involved in cons, I started getting involved, just sort of dipping my toe in the water, uh, maybe about six or seven years ago. Mm. Uh, it was mind blowing for me because, uh, first I didn't even know what to think. Um, there's always people standing in line just to say how much they love you. It's like the coolest thing in the world, you know? And it was like, wow, all of you guys grew up. When did that happen? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was just drawn and drawn and drawn and all of you guys grew up. And, uh, 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 but I find it incredibly gratifying um, because there are, uh, so many of you guys that, you know, grew up on the stuff that I was involved in, the Muppets and the Turtles and Babies and Tiny Dinos and all of it, um, Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, what else, Tom and Jerry, um, da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so, you know, you guys bring all kinds of interesting stuff that I, that I did, you know, um, and, uh, and that's really, really, that's really, really neat. Yeah, I got it. I started getting involved um, about, I would say, about six or seven years ago, um, but I could only do maybe three or four a year um, because I was still doing Nancy. And then finally, I retired from doing Nancy at the end of 17. I, it got published, uh, you know, a, a month or two after that, but end of 17. And, uh, and then I started doing them a little bit more um, because my schedule started to open up a little bit. I'm telling you, man, it is so much fun going to those things, drawing brand new stuff for every appearance and, and, uh, and having a blast. I have been, I've been in New Orleans with, uh, uh, with the, with, with, the, with conventions in New Orleans. I think maybe this might be my fourth time, but mm. it's a few years. I don't think I've been down there since maybe 17. So this is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, New Orleans is fun just because it's New Orleans, right? <laughs> it is my favorite town. Yes. Uh, outside of, outside of uh, Nashville, where I live, uh, it's my favorite road town for all the obvious reasons. We have so much. Exactly. Yeah, we, uh, I, I'm from there originally. Then I, I go as often as I can. And so we're stoked to be coming from California to be down there for it. Oh, um, you're, where where are you in California? We're in the Bay Area of California. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was in the Bay Area uh, this past um, summer. We did um, Silicon Valley Con. Yeah, I I was actually there doing press too. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah, I was. Uh, that's like the second year I've done that one, and of course, you know, of course, it was it was kind of. Uh, low key this year, yeah. <laughs> but I absolutely love the guys that uh, that that run that, and it's a it's a great event. But I will tell you, I 
I can't wait to see the numbers that come out in uh, in New Orleans because I just did LA, you know, yep. Stan's old con. Yeah, I was there too, actually. I saw you there too. I was doing press there. <laughs> wow, I mean, did you, yeah. what crowds. Yeah. It was so great to see. And the way that they had it all set up and everything, it was very well done so that we could all socially distance. We could all, yeah. you know, uh, you know, keep the faith that way and, and stay healthy. But wow, yeah. a, a amount of people. I am so stoked for uh, for New Orleans. Guy, let me ask you, because I don't know if, if m many of our listeners know, you also write and record and make music. Are you going to bring your guitar and hop on a stage and, and jam uh -huh. some, uh, while you're down there in a the quarter? Uh, you know... If any of my buddies uh, are are playing in the quarter, you're darn right, I will. Uh, it's still very much how it used to be in New Orleans. You can just hop up on stage and and just jump in with a group. I mean, it, it's it's a, it's still yeah, a thing. Played, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, we would have a revolving door of a band. Uh, we had a band with a revolving door on it because all of the people that played in my band were, you know, were all. Uh, uh, touring musicians with all kinds of different bands, Little Texas, uh, Motley Crue, um, Alan Jackson, da 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 da. But mm. uh, but we would have, uh, oh gosh, my band leader. Oh, she toured for ten years with Rod Stewart. Oh gosh, Randy, you're so great. Um, anyway, uh, bringing back this, bringing back like Nashville memories. But uh, we would tour. Uh, uh, we would tour just like in about three states or something like that with with the band and uh but try to play down on uh broadway you know which is our quarter in, in here in nashville lower broadway mm. uh and and still everyone so that was up until about 10 years ago or so and uh but i still if one of my buddies is playing down there on broadway i'll still jump up and do a song or so it'll definitely be the same thing in the quarter if, oh, if you fun. perform, if you perform in the quarter and we see you, can we please record it? <laughs> yeah, he has consent. We have consent. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll come see you while we're there, and we'll we'll get the lowdown. If if there's any word that you might be playing, we'll we'll come find you and yes. uh, and definitely watch. Yeah. Uh, also, at the conventions, one of the things I've seen that you do is these super popular the pops, uh, Funko pops. Everyone, you know, most most of the time you go to a convention, you see tons of people purchasing them, buying them. You do commissions right on the Funko Pop box, which right. I think is really cool. What what inspired that for you? Was uh, the, a, a fan? Yeah, fans. Uh, there was a guy, a uh, guy named Frank, who came up to me with about eighteen of them um, at a con in Texas uh, a few years ago, and. He had all these paint pens. And uh, so instead of like signing them with a Sharpie, you know, on the box, which is what I used to do with just a, you know, quick drawing of a character, he had all of these different uh, paint pens. And uh, that was sort of what did it. And then, uh, then people just started bringing more and more and more. And it's gotten to the point where uh, at some cities um, before the cons, I'll fly in and do a private signing the day before. Mm. Uh, we're going to have, you know, like 80 of them or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I draw, you know, full color artwork, uh, you know, right on the window uh, of the pop. And it's it's a blast. There are so many characters, you know, that I've had uh, something to do with that have pops. And then people are really uh, ingenious and they come up with all kinds of stuff, you know, and they'll bring me, you know, Batman and have me draw Bat Frog or Bat Gonzo or, or mm. Gonzo and, you know, Miss Piggy as Wonder Woman and all of that kind of stuff, too. So very fun. I was going to ask you, one of my questions for you is, what's the strangest commission that you've had someone ask you to draw at a convention oh. that you can think of? Well, like I totally yeah uh i don't know there's been there's i um uh, i get some real strange ones that i don't do uh, you turn them down <laughs> and i won't even get into those oh, yeah. but <laughs> uh uh but 
I really like it when, uh, but I liked doing um, uh, Beaker as one of the Doctor Who's. Beaker mm. is a lot of fun. Uh, uh, I love drawing Beaker being scared and running basically out of the Funko Pop when there's a Mike Myers or something like that is the pop. That's, That's fun. really fun. Uh, and the other day, uh, the other day, I had a guy that's a huge wrestling fan, and he had all of these wrestler pops, and we were drawing, you know, uh, uh, Gonzo as Macho Man, and, uh, uh, you know, Kermit as, uh, uh, Kermit as Jerry Lawler, and it kind of went on and on and on like that. Um, Another really fun one that I did the other day at one of these at one of these things where people bringing me up the the, the the Funkos like you're talking about was you know Lemmy uh, from Motorhead, Motorhead yeah uh, and I I knew Lemmy a little bit from Motorhead he was a nice guy uh, I met him at Toad's place in New Haven years and years and years ago uh, but anyway I drew Animal as him that was fun that sounds fun <laughs> if I can find one. I'm a, so I'm a, I'm a football fan, and and there is a Drew Brees Funko Pop out there. If I can find one at the convention, I'm gonna I'm gonna approach you for a commission on it. So, do <laughs> I need to get there early to put my name on a list? As I would imagine, that your day fills up pretty quick. It 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 does it does yeah definitely if you guys have pops uh, or you know or uh, or sort of heavy duty commissions that you're wanting. Uh, definitely reach out beforehand uh, or come around uh, when the when when it first begins uh, there's uh, but you know but all the way through the con if I'm not able to get to your commission we mail you know we mail stuff to you mm -hmm. uh, year round uh, <clears throat> so that does work but yes definitely if you're if you're wanting stuff uh, uh, at the con uh, definitely come and see me and the commissions for color commissions and that sort of stuff does usually fill up the very first day very very blessed that way oh good for you guy that's awesome that is awesome so, and, and you know I, I get yes new orleans is one of the, the the best cities to go to what better reason to go there you know to also do a convention um when you're on the road do you ever drive to these conventions are you do you enjoy being on the road or are you strictly like you fly in you fly home you have a family that's waiting for you or you know what's that like for you um i uh i split it up mm -hmm. um uh, i split it up uh i'm i'm actually driving to new orleans uh it's mm -hmm. not that super far um i kind of look at it as if it's if it's usually eight hours or so eight or nine hours i'll drive uh uh for one thing i love america and I love seeing all of the places in between, you know, me and wherever I'm going, um, because the destination is just part of it. You know, the journey is also really wonderful. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll leave my house even sometimes a week before and I'll do appearances at uh, comic book shops, you know, sort of along the way, uh, too. But a lot of times, um, I just stop in and enjoy wherever it is I, I, I happen to be, you know, headed and all of those interesting places uh, along the way. You know, after all of these years of being at my drawing table, uh, uh, I really do love and cherish the time that, uh, that I do get to, uh, to be with you guys in different towns and everything, but also see a lot of, uh, of uh, the nation. You know, I do fly uh, quite a few places, especially if there's a time crunch, you know, and uh, we, we've got to be there and, and be out. You know. Yeah, you, you strike me as the kind of guy that, that enjoys the, the open road and the travel. And uh, I, I've done that many years, too. And and a lot of the fun is is the stops along the way, stopping at these like random antique malls in the middle of, of Kansas or something and then. Yeah, that's this comic shop that you never ever ever go to otherwise right oh yeah and i've made so many good friends you know uh, uh doing that kind of thing i mean there are uh 
uh, you know, driving, uh, we'll, I'll be driving through, uh, through Alabama and there are so many uh, interesting places to stop along the way. And so many friends that I've made, you know, uh, uh, along the way, uh, going from, uh, from, from here to New Orleans. I've been in New Orleans many, many times, uh, mm -hmm. but it's been, so two years ago, I did a comic store in a town called Covington that was just across the Pontchartrain uh, from, uh, from the town. Uh, from New Orleans, uh, but gosh, I don't think that I've done a con in New Orleans. Probably, like I said, since maybe seventeen. It's been a while. What's uh? What place? What what restaurant are you looking forward to getting some food at while you're in Nola? Do you have? Uh, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I love Desire. You know that place? You I'm not familiar. Oh. oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's right in the quarter, and also uh, I love. Uh, I know he's not not uh, uh, with us anymore, but uh, but his restaurant is Paul Perdome's restaurant. Oh, oh gosh, oh my gosh! But honestly, set me in front of any crawfish and dirty rice, and I'm good. I'm with you. <laughs> oh man, I'm with you. I'll peel. I'll peel and suck some crawfish. <laughs> um, uh, you mentioned meeting a lot of friends and uh along the way are you friends with other cartoonists in the industry like uh I don't know, scott shaw is a, is a friend of mine or like a sergio aragonis or, or don rosa like any of these guys yeah uh well i've known i, I you know i've known sergio since i was a kid mm. uh, and uh and he's a he's a dear friend um uh I have many, many friends uh, uh, in the cartoon business. Uh, Neil Adams is a good friend. Mm. Uh, uh, Joel Adams is a good friend. I see Tom Cook. Uh, the uh, We have dinner pretty much at every con that he and I do. Tom is a uh, director and uh, animator of uh, Thundar, He-Man, many, many things. Scooby-Doo. Uh, he and I have, uh, have have dinner together at pretty con that we uh, that to do uh john pomeroy uh from uh, uh from disney uh and don bluth uh many of the disney guys uh you know uh uh and i and i also have my idols you know that are still you know the guys that that i grew up on and my guys uh that uh that i absolutely adore guys like jose delbo that i get to see neil adams as we as we've already said um, and many of the older guys uh, that I grew up on their work and idolizing their work, um, uh, I get to fan out a little bit too. That's great. I and mean, that's the great thing about this, about this industry is you get to do what you love and you get to be around those whose, whose stuff you love as well. So, um, and it's really neat too seeing all of the, uh, this, the, uh, you know, there's really sort of two generations. I'm going to be 65 next month. I mean, there's like two generations now of, of, of artists uh, uh, in between from when I was, you know, the, the Wonder Boy, you know, coming up. And I get a chance to see all of these people and discover new artists that I don't know about uh, that, that are at these cons. And, you know, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Uh, there's there's so much incredible creativity out there today. Uh, it's wonderful. And what's great is um, if you have something to say, uh, if you have a story to tell, if you're a good artist, if you're uh, uh, you know if you're putting in the time to be good, uh, the gatekeepers can't keep you away anymore. You know you have a platform if you know how to market yourself and get your stuff out there. And, uh, and, and, and one of the, one of the great ways to discover new talent is going to these cons. Well said. Well, fans can, uh, fans can see Guy at the Fan Expo in New Orleans, January 7th through the 9th. And maybe if we're lucky in the quarter, maybe <laughs> at, at Blue Nile, uh, jamming on stage with some friends. Uh, Guy, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I am going to try my best to come get a Drew Brees, Funko Pop, with some art on it from you at the con. I'm holding you to that, man. Oh, oh yes. I am, too. He better do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Guy, 
where can people find you on social media and your websites, please? Yeah, uh, well, my entire uh, my entire uh, tour is always pinned to the top of my Facebook page. Uh, it's a Guy Gilchrist production, which is also uh, the name of my uh, uh, website, a Guy Gilchrist production. Uh, also, uh, we have Guy's Pops, which is where you'll, that's another uh, website where you'll see uh, lots and lots and lots of the pop art that uh, you guys like, and, uh, and other stuff is there. And also, I'm on uh, Instagram as Guy F. Gilchrist, and on uh, Twitter, and all of that stuff, and very, very active on all of that. Uh, you know, I like to post the artwork that I do on the board, and we're constantly, constantly working. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, and we're looking forward. We're looking forward to seeing you there in Nola. And uh, yes. I don't know if crawfish is in season, unfortunately, while we're there. But I'm sure we could find something with crawfish in it, right? Oh, we will. We will. We we will. We will. We will. We will. But no frog. We won't eat frog while we're there. Always in season. So we're <laughs> good. Okay. Awesome. All right. Uh, we'll see you in New Orleans. And thanks again uh, for coming on the show, guy. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Take care, okay? Bye.